And welcome back to Sports Talk Therapy. We are recording this on Thursday, March 25th. Yeah, I think I got that right. Yeah, that's correct. Uh, We are sitting at the table in Finn and Colin's apartment post just an absolute feast of Chick-fil-A. Dude, I'm basically catatonic right now. I'm barely alive. uh, There's a strong stench of grass from Colin and I's golf excursion and then Chick-fil-A. It's uh, it's potent, but uh, we're here, and we have a lot, a lot of stuff to catch you guys up on. We're going to talk about a lot of March Madness. NFL free agency pretty much happened in its entirety since we last had a show, so we're going to do that. And then uh, some of our classic segments, some dysfunctional team commentary. I have a lot of bulletin board material and little weedles from the past two weeks. And uh, we're going to continue the trend of doing draft editions of our top fives. Um, but we're going to start off with some March Madness. I don't know if anybody wants to kick off. We want to go f- from the round of 64. Yeah, or let's, sure. Unless you want to talk about the first four, Colin. Uh, the first four. You're, you're boys. We can briefly say Michigan State, just what a ridiculous loss they had in that game. How do you – like? How do you? pretty incredible to, to lose that game the way they did. Um, just what a dysfunctional team. Man. we got to figure something out there. That's really all you got to say. I mean, historic – I mean, the – Michigan State basketball needs to get a point guard because it's bad. Yeah. Um, very exciting tournament. Yeah, so it's been great. Thrilling. Upsets. Um, the brackets are toast. Brackets. Acknowledge that now. <laughs> my, dude, my bracket's fucking still in it, man. Damn it. Gracious to Pete. And we're, we're on Zencaster. They're not gonna, the people aren't going to come for us. Oh, no. They're not going to come for us. Dude, I, but that also is not a green light for you to continue. No, dude, swear. The F-bomb came out, and then I just was like... Then he said... <laughs> three more, just in succession, because I like, kept like forgetting that. I, uh, man. We're leaving that because it's too funny. Um, I, <laughs> think of all the kids, Colin. I, I do like the cover-up. As if one slip-up wasn't enough, mm. it was... Uh, man, dang it! I did it again. No, <laughs> you, were, you were literally three times in a row. You were one more uh, swear word there away from being Sheck West. Sheck West, you're one more away. Um, some good. I mean, a lot of cool upsets in this round of sixty-four. Yeah, so we can go uh, region by region here. I don't have the names of the region on this bracket, but I do have the one seeds in each region. Let's start with where uh, Gonzaga is the one seed in the in the western part of Indianapolis, as opposed to the other parts. Yeah, of I mean the, the, the west was pretty chalky, other than that Ohio over Virginia, most predictable upset of all time. Besides that, mm. I mean, like, I mean, you can't not talk about this region, the western region of Indianapolis, without talking about VCU. VCU, the ten seed has a positive COVID test two That's hours before their That's game. Tough. Forfeit Oregon advances, and then in the and then we're getting a little bit ahead of ourselves. But in the round of thirty-two, Oregon pulls off an upset of Iowa. Out Iowa dude. I, I, I do feel really bad for VCU. Probably wouldn't have helped them that much because I don't think they're beating that Oregon team the way they're playing. But yeah, definitely tough, tough I, way to go. I just like the official score is one zero. <laughs> yes, <laughs> you gotta have it. The USC Oregon game is gonna be a great game because USC matches up really well against Oregon and they beat them pretty good in the regular season. But Oregon's definitely hot right now. I texted our insider about uh, I think a week and a half ago at this point, uh, Tomas Seeger, to get the inside scoop <laughs> on Evan Mobley, and he says he's legit. He's pretty sick. Well, the Isaiah's not bad either. Isaiah's like a decent, decent player as well. Yeah, that region. I mean, I don't, I don't know who's beating Gonzaga, but some good other teams. Guess on to the East, Colin. Uh, oh, so we'll just say who's in this, who made it to the Sweet uh, Sixteen out of here. 
We have uh, a 1-5 matchup, Gonzaga and Creighton. I mean, I would be pretty stunned if Creighton pulled off that upset. Creighton's done a nice job to yeah. get to the Sweet 16. Creighton's played, like, good, which people didn't think they were going to. They really kind of came back in that last game, but I you, I don't think being Gonzaga. Like, I don't think I was being Gonzaga, but definitely mm-hmm. not. Hey, just this is my this is my pitch for Villanova beating Baylor. Just any one day we can lose ninety nine times out of hundred. Yeah. In one, yes. is that hey Mitch Ballack gets hot? Mm-hmm. Watch out! Yeah, I like USC to beat Oregon too, but I don't, I don't think they're beating Gonzaga honestly. So I don't, I don't, I don't think they're beating Gonzaga this region, man. All I'm saying is that uh, if we win, I'm saying we run to Oral Roberts. <laughs> <laughs> Good segue there into the division that is highlighted by Baylor. What part of Indianapolis are they in? Uh, the south. The south part of Indianapolis. South Indianapolis. Um, this region, in addition to having our beloved Villanova Wildcats in it, yeah, has been absolutely insane. North Texas and Oral Roberts beating Purdue and Ohio State. Dude, Oral Roberts in the Sweet 16, a chance to go to the Elite Eight. Kevin O'Banner playing like a household name. Kevin O'Banner, Matt, Max Acemas, and Acemas is spelled A-B-M-A-S. Not only is there a silent B, it also just completely, there's an S thrown in there for some reason too. Those two guys score all of their points. They were the 15 seed with one of the worst defenses in college basketball. They were the four seed, and I believe it was the Summit League tournament, and now they're in the Sweet 16 as John Rothstein, beloved college basketball writer, puts so eloquently, anarchy? Nope. Just college basketball. Yep. This is what March Madness is all about. Oh, yeah, man. Pretty much. And all you need to know is that uh, Finn and I both the same thought is, where is Oral Roberts? And there are so many people Googling Oral Roberts that someone put the wrong place. Yes. <laughs> so I Googled it the first time. Thought it was in Texas. It is not in Texas. It's in Tulsa, Oklahoma. So yes. just in case you need to know... Oral Roberts is in Tulsa. Yeah, dude, because the first time I looked it up, it said Texas. Yeah. I looked When I looked it up, it was later than you guys, and I said Oklahoma, and I was like, they both said Texas. There must be something going on yeah, there. That's weird. what it was. No. Yeah. Well, I mean, other than that, dude, how about Villanova? After I thought we were gonna, we we already got upset twice, guys. How are we still? How are we still here? We already, well, kind of upset. One out. We got upset against North Texas too. We don't we don't match up well against North Texas. I don't know if you guys remember all the. Uh, we're the fifteenth and sixteenth best team left in the Sweet Sixteen, apparently. But uh, all I guess gloating on our parts aside, um, we were worried about Winthrop in the first round. DJ Burns we Jr. is a beast. Chandler Vaudrin is a good player. They'd only lost one game all year. They go out there just play nice. Villanova basketball. It's a nice, comfortable 10-point win. And then mm-hmm. to follow it up Whew. with the best game I've seen since 2018. Unbelievable. Just when we have Brian Antoine, Chris Archiacono, and Eric Dixon spotting up for three. I got so excited. <laughs> it, Dude. It's a different ballgame. I love Eric Dixon, man. The guy's a stud. I can't wait till next year when he's just like running our offense. Just point guard Eric we, Dixon. We <laughs> to end the half, we went on a thirty-four to eight run. Dude, on that's the best game I've seen Villa basketball play in a long time. We played so good. That's the best our offense looked. But and I love how in in a three week span we went from Colin Torres MCL we're toast. Man, we really stink. We can't win a game without him. To wait a second, Dude, like do look really good, absolutely dominant. And so how about this? North Texas and Kempom is 30 spots higher than the next 13 seed. 
So they were really? they were a they were like a, in the mid fifties, I think. They're not like a bad. They have like they had losses to like in the regular season to I think mostly ranked teams, and then one bad loss, and that was really it. Like they had a really good, really good season. They were a pretty. They're a pretty good team. I mean, they're not they're not like some slouchy slouch joke of a. Sl- a slouchy slouch, slouchy joke. slouch, Joe of a hick hick balls. They're they're. I have a Lebron James. Lebron James. They're uh, <clears throat> the king of the floaters, whatever his name is. Forgot his name already. Um, oh man, Hamlet, Javion Hamlet. I was gonna say, I was gonna say Hamlet, and I'm like, that's like a Shakespeare thing. But all right, <laughs> Javion ha- Hamlet and his dad with the sweater. With the Shakespeare quote on the back of it. Yep. <laughs> um, but yeah, we uh. Took care of business and Baylor probably went from like, oh, this is great. We get like going over North Texas to, uh oh, yeah, this they, they better be a little, a little ready, bro. They better get ready. Baylor's so good though. They're so good. Yeah, I mean, I'm I'm with Sean. They can win 99 Never times out of 100. Jay, Especially when Jay's the underdog. Jay's dangerous. I mean, how many times have you guys heard the stat? Uh, the last in the last 10 years, when Jay gets to the Sweet 16, he wins it all. Yep. Yeah, they they, I, they, they show the like the record by round, and it's like mm-hmm. he's like I don't know, let's say <clears> seven <throat> and five in the round of sixty four in the last like twelve years, and just undefeated the rest of the way. Gee, you wonder why yeah, that. Yeah, I wonder <laughs> why that happens. Like, <clears> in the last five years, he's four and oh, he's two and zero oh in the uh, Sweet Sixteen. Like that's because they yeah. won. Yes, I mean, dude, if we don't get by Baylor, I don't, I don't think, I don't know, Arkansas will Roberts get by Baylor either. Like I feel like. It's gonna to be tough for anyone to beat Baylor in this in this region, Miles. If they're a darn good team, I'm saying we take out Baylor, we get Oral Roberts, mm. and then we get Loyola Chicago. I do. I wouldn't want to get Loyola Chicago. I want Syracuse, <laughs> Houston, or Oregon State over Loyola Chicago. That team is so good. So I guess we'll go to that region. We're going to that region, Midwest. headlined by Midwest Indianapolis. Midwest Indiana. <laughs> Midwest in D. Annapolis. Um, Illinois was the one seed in this region. I picked them to win it all, but dude, Loyola like just criminally underseeded. Criminally underseeded, dude. They, Loyola Chicago how, Ramblers. At the very happen? least, like not even counting the fact that you should be using like predictive analytics, like Sagarin or Kempom, like like you should be using those. Even if you're not using those, they're at worst a six seed. At worst. Like, mm-hmm. how are they in any stretch of the imagination in 18? It's, it's, it's unbelievable. It's a conference bias for sure. I mean, it's yeah, what I pushed them down that far. Season two, but, like, dude, like, I'm, they're so good. Like, I mean, that was not a fluky game either. They just beat – they just outcoached and outplayed Illinois in really every part of the game. Illinois didn't even, like, play objectively them. badly either. Like, they just – just, Kofi and Io just got shut down, and they couldn't, like – it was it was crazy. Well, you, you were saying when you were watching the game, they would get the ball into uh, Illinois' big center, seven foot. Yeah, I think he grows an inch when they p- play each game Dude, afterwards. Like Kofi seven. Coburn, yeah. they just basically whenever he got the ball, they would Swarm put three me. small people on well, at yeah, once. I was, I was reading the after thing after the game. They're like, yeah, they realized that Kofi when he like he's like has like fifty five turnovers and five assists mm-hmm. or something stupid like that. And all right, well he, we're gonna we're gonna make him pass out. If he can pass out, we're gonna they're gonna be open guys, but we're gonna make him pass out, and he just didn't do it. And then they made Io go left. He doesn't like going left. What he freaking knew? You win by thirteen. You're the best defense, and that's obviously the best defense in the country, man. Your guys can execute this to a perfection. My favorite too is that Loyola Chicago's best player. He can pass for one of us. Yeah, easily. Yeah, like obviously. he is Cameron Crutley. He has a mustache. Stud. 
He plays the harmonica because it <laughs> unites people. Um, he's just a fantastic person. Dude, he looks like the kid in my like that I sat next to in graphic design who just like brought his DS and loved playing Pokemon. <laughs> <laughs> like played band in the summer. Like that's what Cameron Crowe looks like, man. Like, he does not look like a guy that should be bawling out against Kobe Gobert in the around thirty-two. But hey. Is it crazy to say? I know you're a big Houston guy, Colin, but like, is it? It's not unfathomable to say that right now in the Midwest Indianapolis region, an eight seed is the favorite to make it to the Final Four and out of the Sweet Sixteen. Especially if Giroux is not full health, it's not even close to wild to say that. Loyola, it probably is. uh, They probably are favorite. So, all right. Well, okay. They're playing eleven and twelve seeds, Houston and and. So, I think the lines in those games are are pretty similar. All I know is you mentioned Houston. Rutgers with the choke of the century, blowing a nine-point lead with under two minutes to go. How does that happen? (laughs) The ghost of Paul Jesperson from Northern Iowa all those years ago. Um, uh, That was crazy. Gutsy comeback out of Houston. Crazy game, bro. I mean, Rockers let it go, but dude, Jajan Giroux, MVP of this tournament right now for me, bro. He's just playing on a messed up hip and barely move. Dude, that was a gutsy performance by Jajan Giroux, man. That guy's a stud. Guy one, one more time, heart. John. He has heart. That's like, that's what, that's what Jajan Giroux. <laughs> there is. Dude, beast. I love that man so much. Jajan like, Giroux. He couldn't even. It's like Rut- Rutgers tried to like take the air out of the ball and dribble off the clock. Mm-hmm. Nope. And. Like, do you think once you're, like, blue, a five-point lead? You would guess that when you're up like two points with, like, two minutes left to play, you're not going to try and rile the clock. But it was Basically, it's like whenever the 2017 Cleveland Browns, who, of course, went on 16, as we all know, um, would get a lead in the second half, then Greg Williams would start playing the ultimate prevent defense and play Jabril Peppers 50 yeah. yards in the backfield, really and then cool. they would just dink and dunk, and then the team would come back and win. It's basically what Rutgers that did. That is they the basketball t- version. Yeah. It's, <sighs> it's crazy. And I, I mean, I'm not saying I like I, – I know Syracuse has been playing well, but like, if there's a weakness of the 2-3 zone, it's you. It's hard to rebound on that because who are you going to box out? Like, it's you don't have – man, it's – so against Houston, who – it might be the best offensive rebounding team in the country. Like, it's going to be tough, man. They're going to have – Syracuse has a tough matchup in Houston. But they have Buddy Beheim. They do have Buddy Beheim. But Houston is so good against the 3-2, man. They're so good. So we'll see. It, we'll see how this goes, man. But I like Houston in this game. I was about to say, I, I, I love your analysis there, but uh, can, can you guys tell that Colin picked Houston as his champion? <laughs> I did. But, but hey, I you're just, the only one – I don't know who you picked, but I mean, I, I picked Illinois and they're out. So Colin knows yeah. – yeah, what he's I, talking about more than me. I had Iowa. Um, oh. We, we had a lot of chaos that I got right. Unfortunately, I mean, the Oregon team was buzzsaw, dude. Like, what are you supposed to do in the fucking 95? Yeah, unfortunately. I mean, they won that first game. one nothing. It was crazy. <laughs> we <laughs> had a little too much chaos. <laughs> too much chaos. If that's a thing. Never. There was too much. I, I had the wrong chaos. In the, I had the Oral Roberts in the chaos bracket, but after that, that was it. You see, here's my, here's my thing with Oral Roberts is, so – Initially, I had Villanova winning a region, <coughs> and I was like, "Well, like I, I, I always pick us to go to the Elite Eight, but mm-hmm. like I can't, I don't know, I, I can't will us that far. We got to take ourselves a little further since we're not like a favorite of that that great. Like we're a good team, but no Colin, whatever." So I was like, "Well, Baylor can't beat us, so I guess Ohio State has to beat us." 
Well, and I undid my Oral Roberts pick, and then <laughs> there it goes. Yeah, that's tough, dude. I, I mean, I, I had UConn in the Final Four. Mm. It had a tough L to Maryland in the first you, round. You have to, you have to love that. Uh, anyone's bracket from around here has a heavy Big East bias and a heavy Pac-12 like hatred for some reason. The Pac-12 has been unbelievable. Pac-12 after I mean, the Big Ten has only Michigan left after having nine or ten teams in it. And then speaking of the Pac-12, we haven't talked about Oregon State yet. A team yeah. that would not have been in the tournament had they not won their conference championship. And then they go out, they beat 5-seed Tennessee, and then they beat the number one overall pick, Cade Cunningham, in Oklahoma State. Crazy. 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 I don't see – I, dude, it's, they had a great run, man. They've had a great run so far. I, I will see – they're going to – they're running into a tough matchup with Loyola, but it's – it's they had a, they had a, they've had a great run, man. I can't believe how hot they've gotten after having such a subpar regular season. Yeah. Unbelievable. On fire, and then uh, I know we briefly mentioned them, but shout out Syracuse pulling off two upsets as well. They beat six seed San Diego State and uh, three seed West Virginia. Uh, th- the seeding, the seeds for the teams in the Sweet Sixteen in this region are two, eight, eleven, and twelve. Yeah. Well, if it sounds like I'm hyping up Loyola and Houston, that's because my Elite Eight matchup from the West is Loyola and Houston. So. Ah, nice. Yeah, very nice. Now, you, you nailed Loyola Chicago. You were talking about them from the second the bracket came out, Colin. So, yeah, props to you. you, you I, I almost, at this point, I wish I had I put them in a Final Four. You but, keep doing this. <laughs> yeah. Well, because before pre, pre-tournament, I'm in, this, I'm in this bracket where there's a lot of people, right? So, you want to have at least, like, one wild card in the Final Four because then you get that right. You get a leg up on the rest of the group. And the chances of someone having at least, like, three correct is really high. So, hmm. you need to – you want variance, like you want, you want to have like a win con that nobody else has. So I was between Wisconsin, Loyola, and UConn, putting some one of those teams in my final four. I switched it. I've asked switched my bracket like a thousand times, but I ended up with with UConn. Did not work out. No. Wisconsin would not have worked out either. No, no, but Loyola like very well could. But Houston is my champion, so. There you go. Dejan is my champion. Yes, he is. Yeah. My, my favorite has to be, so I we do a bracket like group every year with my cousins, like all my aunts, uncles, whatever relatives. Um, my cousin uh, Megan, who by her own admission has not watched college basketball in quite some time, knows nothing about any of the teams, uh, is currently in the 99th percentile, oh has every God. team still eligible for the Elite Eight, and what? her only miss – our only two misses in the Sweet 16 were Kansas and Iowa. Or, sorry, not Kansas and Iowa. Kansas and Colorado. What? Oral so, Roberts? Oral Roberts. Loyola Chicago, Oregon State, Syracuse. Don't know how. UCLA? UCLA. And she had Abilene Christian in the last round, too. Oh, no what? <laughs> She's like, yeah, I don't know. And they were purple when you picked them. I'm like, all right. I'm like, you're supposed to tell me you some like, thesis here, but she's got the max points remaining. Wow, and uh, yes, I felt bad because I I went me and Jackie and me were at breakfast and I she like gave me her phone. She's like, oh, like, like help me with my bracket, and she had like Abilene Christian like the the Sweet Sixteen or something. And I was like, oh, like nice. She was like, yeah, Abel Christian, I love him. And I was like, ah, don't do that. And then I made him, I made her pick them Texas winning. And then it, I mean, it also I guess that's a good segue into the. Uh... <laughs> Eastern Indianapolis. Eastern, Eastern Indianapolis, yeah. Uh, this is Michigan's the one seed in this region. 
Uh, we'll talk about Abilene Christian first. Is that the the grossest upset of all time? I don't Dude. think either team wanted to win that game. None of those teams deserve <laughs> to win that game. When you shoot 29% <laughs> from the field and Dude, win. Texas looks so unbelievable. But they just won the Big 12. I know. They what happened? Out, they came out and looked horrific. Like, any of these teams, bro, they might have, like, Abilene Christian and Texas looked like two of the worst teams in this region in this first game. It was crazy. Like, I think Iona would have beat either of those two teams on that day. (laughs) Yeah, I think you're right. That was a, um, that was the last game of the night, whatever. I think that was Saturday night. And it was just a slow. I mean, it was awesome to see it. They got crazy upset with Abilene Christian getting their first tournament win, but just nuts. I mean, and then on the other side of that, you had UCLA after winning that first four matchup over Michigan State. They end up beating BYU in the round of 64, and then they get Abilene Christian in the round of 32. So they get to the Sweet 16. Um, Michigan, a lot of people, including myself, wrote them off. I had them losing to LSU in the round of 32, which looked good for a little bit, but Michigan without Isaiah Livers is showing that they still have some firepower behind them. We'll see. uh, Florida State's a good team. Florida State was, I think, is my one Final Four pick remaining. I I will see. Florida State and Alabama are both. Looking really good right now, so we'll see. It'll be it'll be tough for Michigan out of this region, but they they, they have a chance. You know, they can do it. We have, we have two great states in Florida and Alabama, and then mm. Michigan. Michigan. Who would ever be? From and, and and then uh, California. Yeah, nobody cares about California. No, California. That, that's stupid. It's basically a different country. The weather stinks. Yeah, it's just awful. We we had no fun when we went there. So, not at all. Definitely not, dude. Great week. Who wants that to was. <laughs> I would rather I want to live in the Alabama backwater or the Michigan just plains. I don't want to live in the California mountains and beaches. Colin and today, one you don't want to go play spike ball in the Malibu beach again. Oh, absolutely! I don't want to do that. Colin said he was going to live. Uh, did you say Bulgaria? Yeah. So, Wait, we we talk about this. <laughs> we were just talking about like because Shaw was talking about how like what? we want to travel this summer before we're not able to because of our jobs, and I'm like, bro, I'm quitting after three years and working from January to April 15th, and I'm going to play Thracian cliffs in Bulgaria for like three months and just living in Bulgaria for a while and then come back and go on the RTJ trail for a couple months too. You're going to be, a, you're going to be a two, a true checker off after you uh, come back from Bulgaria. You know, my mom's Bulgarian, right? I, I, now that you're saying this, I remember. Yes, this, yes, yes, yes. So, yes. Yeah, dude. Bulgaria, sick country, bro. Sick country. They have yeah. some sweet beaches. They have yeah. too, bro. Yeah. So. And the lesser known fact that a guy named Finn McCartan is also a large part of his heritage is Bulgarian. Anyway, um, is that what we got here? Right, we, have, so we should probably get into free agency because we got a lot to get through. <laughs> I'm not saying we have to spend a lot of time no. on each of these here, but I wrote down a lot of free agent signings. I put a threshold for uh, on the yeah, we don't have to talk about yeah, but uh, a lot of free agency happened. I left oh, all the moves made by our respective teams out of this part and left those for dysfunctional team commentary. Uh, just for some quick hitters, some key re signings. Uh, the Packers sign a running back. Very anti-analytics of them. They signed Aaron Jones for four years, about $50 million there. <laughs> Colin, how do you feel about that in-division well, okay. rival? Here's the thing, bro. Like, if you're the, okay, if you're the Packers, obviously I'm not a huge proponent of, like, giving running backs a lot of money or value. I don't Like, whatever. But Aaron Jones is a really, really good player. Mm-hmm. If you're going to pay a running back, it should be a guy like Aaron Jones. Yeah. If you're planning to pay Aaron Jones, why did you draft AJ Dillon? That's my problem with this. Why, like, like I don't think it's a 
that bad of a contract if you look at it just the contract. But when you take into account they drafted like AJ Dillon in the second round, like that doesn't, doesn't make any sense. That's my problem with. I have the exact same opinion on it. I have no problem with paying Aaron Jones. No, money. He's a really good running back. But then you waste a second round pick. Like, exactly. That doesn't make any sense. And in Aaron Rodgers' final years, it, it's really a confusing move. You could have spent that money elsewhere, especially with some of these receivers. Their wide receiver. How these receiver contracts ended up in free agency. Like, you don't think they would have rather had Will Fuller for the one-year $10 million he signed for? Like, I don't know what's going on there. Uh, the Buccaneers got the whole gang back yeah, together. They re-signed literally everybody. Everyone. Shaq Barrett's back. Gronk is back. Gala's back. Sue it's, is back. It's dangerous, too. Godwin. All yeah. these players are really good, and they want to come back. Yeah. Like, yeah, there's no, there, there's no one like, oh, I want to get my money. Like, no, we like this a lot. Like, this is a lot of fun. We're going to yeah. stay. Only one out there, I think, is still his playoff Lenny. I think he's the only one they have not re-signed. Um, you mean Lombardi Lenny? I'm sorry, Barstool Lenny. Yes. Barstool. <laughs> All those. Uh, I only threw this one on here because it was a lot of money. Rams signed uh, Leonard Floyd again for four years, $64 million. It's a lot of money for Leonard Floyd. It's a lot of money for Leonard Floyd. I wouldn't have paid that in Madden, but I don't know what, he, I don't know what, <laughs> what his real-life stuff is. Uh, speaking of a lot of money... Uh, would you like to sign, even though he's a great tackle, don't get me wrong, a, I think he's early 30s tackle for six years, $138 million yeah. for Trent Williams for the Niners? Considering, look, love Trent Williams. Considering he's in his 30s and really been hurt a lot in his career, like, interesting signing. Interesting signing. Yes. I personally don't know if I would have made that, but hey, guess you're trying to win right now. Sounds like it. It's a lot of money. Um, yeah, there we go. I was trying to like subtly text Finn to like get him to. Okay, so <laughs> somehow, not sure how, I managed to convince Colin to become rock climbing, even though his hands are destroyed. He wants to come back. So now we're bringing Finn and Alec tomorrow. Um, but I was trying to subtly text Finn because on the Mac I knew it would pop up. But then I'm sitting here and see it didn't pop up. It uh, takes a little bit, but we we got it done. Finn clicked yes, and now he's now he's in. I'm in. I'm in for rock climbing. And then uh, we go down Trent Williams. Trent Williams, no, Trent Williams. He's got a lot of money. Someone who didn't get a lot of money, Juju Smith-Schuster. Yeah, he took less money to re-sign with Pittsburgh. That's, I mean, you don't see that. You just don't see that in 2021. A guy actively turned down more money, especially from the Kansas City Chiefs. Yeah. Um, that says a lot about his character. And his, You know, I don't like the Steelers. I've always been a fan of Juju, despite the, you know, Browns of the Browns. I I like Juju. Good for him for going back there. Yeah, for less money too, as opposed to where he could have gotten David Baltimore or Casey. Yeah. You know, I mean, he took mm-hmm. less money, wants to be the yeah. Steelers. The next one I had to laugh when I opened his outline. Uh, the dinosaurs. Forgot about that. Uh, Sign Ryan Fitzpatrick, one year, ten million. Awesome. That's so great. It's the, he's perfect for them. He, he'll never die, and <laughs> they'll never have a permanent quarterback. So no, no, I know. It's. I mean, it's a perfect gap quarterback to, for whatever they decide to do. This year or next year, I mean, you get me, Fitzpatrick dude, in there. That makes them kind of a dangerous team, though. Give they, me, give me a Fitzpatrick Taylor Heineke quarterback conversa- competition. Yes, like, dude, I'm a Giants fan. That is worrisome to me because that makes the dinosaurs way more dangerous. Having Fitzpatrick, having Curtis Samuel, that offense is a lot more dangerous now than being led by Haskins and Kyle Allen and Alex Smith on one leg. Like, yeah. Ryan Fitzpatrick is a clear step up over all of those guys. It's true. We'll get to the Giants there. Sean has some stuff. They're doing some. The Giants are doing some. Giants are doing some things as well. Um, couple other moves just for some backups before we get into the big win, which I left in the middle here. 
Uh, Saints brought back Jameis Winston to compete with a $140 million man, Taysom Hill. Yeah, this made those two moves in tandem made no sense to me. Apparently, people keep saying the Taysom Hill thing is all voidable, but like, why would you write that up if it's all voidable? Like, why? I, that, that's my question. Because it is all voidable, but it's just, why would people you just keep saying, oh, it's voidable, but like, why did they feel the need to put that large of a number on it? They just really just wanted Taysom to feel good about himself. I guess, <laughs> I guess so. And then Jameis uh, yeah. is just a, a twelve million dollars insurance policy. I guess I don't know who might be better he's, than the original. He is, he is one of the thirty-two best quarterbacks on this planet. I said it, Jameis. The, the NFL. I mean, he's like, not. He is a starting caliber NFL quarterback. He is, he's uh, low as considering the last time we saw him play. He's low, but he could have learned this time. He is not not a Hall of Famer. Exactly. Um, and then I was going to leave this for the last one we're going to go over for the quarterbacks, but would you rather have him or Andy Dalton? I'd rather have Jameis Winston. If you're going to be bad, why not be fun bad instead of sad bad? I think I had this conversation yeah, with Colin when this side the came out. Like Andy Dalton has like played previously better in the NFL but at one point, but the last time I saw any play was more recent and worse, so I guess I'm taking Jameis, but I'm not, I'm not thrilled about either of those things. The poor Bears. The poor Bears, man. They were thinking. I mean, at least they didn't trade for Deshaun Watson. That would have been really bad if they traded for Deshaun Watson. Yeah, not. I didn't write anything about that in here, but uh, not looking good for that guy. No. Not looking good. Um, what are they up to now? 12? Yeah, Whatever know. the number is, but, it's uh, bad. Any uh, any chance it was like, oh, it's like a money grab or this? It's, uh, it's looking less than it's no, like. No, 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 no. He is looking like a terrible person right now. Yeah, not, not ideal. But. Ideal person, Jacoby. No, I know nothing about Jacoby Brissett, but <laughs> Jacoby Brissett, $7.5 million to Dolphins. I just like Jacoby Brissett. I felt like I needed to put him on there. He's a guy that can make a spot start for all the, for all you Tua truthers out there that keep on saying that he's bad. There you go. Now they have Jacoby Brissett to compete with him, I guess. And Tyrod. Jacoby should exactly walk with backup, honestly. He's a, he's a high end backup. Yeah. That's exactly what he is. And Tyrod Taylor, two lungs this time. Tyrod. Uh, <laughs> Tyrod. Uh, Justin Herbert still stinks. $12.5 million to the Texans. <laughs> the Texans are <coughs> they did all this before all the stuff about Watson came out too. So you have Tyrod, Tyrod, who knows, Taylor in there for one year, $12.5 million. They trade for Ryan Finley from the Bengals. I don't know. I have a quote about the Texans later in bulletin board material. They, they the Texans are, should be evicted. From the them. Texans exemplify down bad. Just get them out down of bad. <laughs> Just not good. Literally, bring up anyone, dude. I make a new team. The I Zappers with Josh Gordon and I, Johnny Manziel. I don't bring, want elevate them from fan controlled football. I'm done with the Texans. Just strike them from the record. Get I mean, rid of any evidence they ever existed. I'm Bill O'Brien has been gone, and they're still. Bro, Bill O'Brien might have been Jack Easterby. the only best thing about the franchise. Yeah. And it yeah. wasn't very good. There. He, was, he was not good. But he wasn't good, but he was still better than everything else. Yeah. said so Bill O'Brien, good coach. Horrific general manager. I know. And then who good coach, that, though. Then who does that – whose who's fault is it for giving Bill O'Brien the power? Cal McNair. I'm telling you, man. The, the franchise, this, this dysfunction of this franchise starts at the top. They are the worst ran franchise in the NFL. I don't think it's that It's not close. the Browns anymore. No. Let's go. It, I, I, don't, I, don't, I don't think it's that close, honestly. I really don't. I think it's a pretty far. Colin, you, you've got very high expectations for the Jets. But I said, dude, at least the Jets like, drafted a, a quarterback. Like, they did some things. 
If the Texans did not draft Deshaun Watson in 2017, um, who knows where they would be right now. And also, he may never play a down of NFL football again, so we don't know. Yeah. Um, now getting into the free agency frenzy here, uh, players switching teams. We're starting off with just a giant contract for an offensive lineman. Who doesn't love to see that? The Chiefs grab uh, Patriots guard Joe Tooney for five years, $80 million. Beef up that protection for Mahomes. Hopefully a lot, he's a lot of money, but, I mean, he yeah. needs yeah, as we saw in the Super Bowl, that, that line thing is kind of important. That's pretty bad. A little important. Um, Jets sign Corey Davis, yeah. who wants Sam Darnold as quarterback. Interesting. That's, that's fine. Fine. Jets also sign Carl Lawson. Fire signing. Also good. Yeah, good great signing. I wanted the Browns there. to get Carl Lawson pretty badly, so that, that's a great get for the Jets there. On a pretty cheap deal for a like high-caliber edge rusher. I like the corners for the Bengals, too. I like Cheetah Bay. He's a beast. Mm-hmm. Jibay Wizier for $22 million, three years. Mm-hmm. Yeah, Bengals signed a pair of corners to beef up that secondary. They also grabbed Saints edge rusher Trey Hendrickson for four years, $60 million. A little steep for Trey, but it's a team with a lot of cap space. They need talent. You need to pay these players more money to convince them to come to Cincinnati. So I really don't have a problem with it because of that. Yeah, it's okay. I'm not even like a huge A.J. Dillon guy. Like I'm like am like – Considering where some people are in AJ Dillon, I'm like in the middle. But wouldn't Corey Lindsley have been a better idea than Aaron Jones if you'd already spent a second round pick on a running back? Colin, see, this why, is this is how the draft works. Why Colin. would you not bring back your center who's been with Rodgers for like 10 years? He's like the cornerstone of your offensive line. This is how <laughs> you do player evaluation. So basically. Once your guys go to free agency, unless they're a skill position, because the fans only care about skill position players, you just let them walk. And then when you go to the draft, in the first round you draft a quarterback because that's flashy, even though your quarterback is aging currently and he needs offensive weapons. And then in the second round you draft a running back because it's a fancy position. you already have two running backs. Even though you already have two running backs. And then in the third round you draft a fullback just to say, I hate everybody. So I don't know what Green Bay is doing. Uh, letting Corey Lindsley walk was a bad idea. Yeah, good for the Chargers getting him. And uh, Justin Herbert might not die. Yeah, I mean, good for I, him. Good for Justin Herbert. Get some protection. All right, so we just Bud Dupree got paid. Good for him. Yeah, I can Gawkway to the Raiders, the Dinosaurs, and William Jackson and Curtis Samuel. Dude, Will- the Dinosaurs and a lot of good signings, bro. William Jackson decides. Will Fuller to the Dolphins giving Tua a deep threat. AJ Green, uh, that's a name I haven't heard in a while. Cardinals. It's just weird. That's why I put that one on there. Him going to the Cardinals. Uh, Also another weird one, Patrick Peterson on the Vikings. (laughs) Um, I wrote a note up here about the Raiders, and I know we're just throwing a lot of names at you here. I just put any big dollar, any big money signing I just put on here just to briefly mention. Uh, the Raiders are doing things that the only thing this offseason that they did that made sense was the Yannick Ngakwe contract, which actually I think is pretty good. But they cut their entire offensive line. How did the thing get over there? Brian. When did he do this? Brian, come out here now. I mean, hold on, time out. He's in it. You need to come here. Finn, you filled up the water, and I filled the water, and I filled it up. Wait. And I was it you? Was it was Sean. It was Sean. <laughs> Background we have. We just aired it out with Brian. So we have a Brita filter in our apartment and we have varying concepts on what the best way to fill up the Brita filter is. Colin and I take the Brita filter 
put the water in the top part. It takes a while to filter, so we leave it in the fridge to filter so it gets cold. What Brian does is he leaves it in the sink so we can go and fill it up again. But the problem is that Brian forgets to take it out of the sink. So it stays there for hours, and Why? now we just saw it in the sink. Why is I've never seen it that high. It doesn't go that high. That used to be stopped it. It literally can't go down anymore. It's so high in the filter, you literally cannot filter. The filter can no longer filter. We are just distraught. Damn it. Well, <laughs> sorry, Brian. No, Brian's the one that started this. Brian's the one that started this. Okay, well, we just, we just roasted the crap out of Sean. Um, I just wanted to say quickly the Raiders cut their entire offensive line. And it makes absolutely no sense. They traded some guys, cut some guys, and now Derek Carr is going to die. Bars. All right, moving on. The New England Patriots went nuts. Bill said, I need to redo my whole team. Yep, 7-9 was not good enough. They recognized that this is a year where they have a lot of cap space for the first time in a long time. And a lot of teams are strapped for money because the salary cap went down because of COVID, and they saw an opportunity to do this. All right, I'm going to do my Eminem rap god impersonation here. (laughs) Take a deep breath. Four years for former Ravens edge, Matt Judon. Four years for former Titans tight end, Jonu Smith, one of Colin's guys. Was he a a guy, or was he a low-key beast? No, he's a guy. Jonu Smith is a guy. Three years for another tight end, Hunter Henry. Four years for Eagle safety, Jalen Mills. Two years for Raiders receiver Nelson Aguilar. He signed for $22 million. Last offseason, he signed a deal for $1 million. So a nice come up, for, come up for Nelson. Four years, $22 million for Dietrich Wise. Four years, $19 million for David Andrews. Two years, $15 million for former Dolphins defensive tackle Devon Godshow. Three years, $15 million for 49ers receiver Kendrick Bourne. Two years, $12 million for former Dolphins linebacker Kyle Van Noy, who was only on that Dolphins contract for one year. And basically what the Patriots did, they let him walk in free agency. They got a fourth-round pick as a comp pick, and then he came back. So they traded Kyle Van Noy for Kyle Van Noy and a fourth-round pick. Electric stuff by Bill. Uh, And then they signed a couple of depth guys here, Henry Anderson, Cody Davis, Ted Karras. They brought James White back. They brought their kicker back, signed a bunch of other guys. And um, holy crap. Wow, dude. Unreal. I have never seen them do this before. They signed <laughs> – they were tired of having no good tight ends, so they signed the top two on the free agency market. I'm sure you're – I don't know how you feel anymore about John Smith because they also signed Hunter Henry. I, but. Love him, yeah. I think John is going to be so – they're going to find so many ways to use him in that offense. Gonna, it's going to be awesome. He, and he's so good. He And besides George Kittle, he is the best tight end in the league after catch. And Wow. I, I don't – and that's statistically it varied out. He averages like seven yards after the catch. It's insane. He's very insane. athletic. He's so – and he breaks so many tackles. He's so strong. He is, he is quite a strong player. Um, yeah, so Bill just decided to just go for it this offseason. Seven and nine was not good enough. Look for them to be contenders in the AFC again, or at least contending for a playoff spot again after one year off. Um Cam Newton's back. I'm sure he'll be happy to have all these weapons as well. Yeah, and Matt Judon's a Matt Matt Judon is probably my favorite signing out of this bunch. And yeah. of course it was the probably the it's the most money they spend on a guy, but yeah, he's great. they really have lacked a like number I guess he's, maybe he's not your typical number one edge rusher, but for years they've been looking for that guy, ever since Chandler Jones left, yeah. to be honest. And um the Jamal Lowry's, 
Trey, Trey Flowers was a number one defensive end, but he wasn't a number one pass rush. His, they, he never had great sack numbers with the Patriots. No, he didn't. His pressure numbers. Were His good. pressure numbers were good. Don't get me wrong, but yeah, but he kind of fills that hole that's been missing for them for quite a long time. And then tight end was just atrocious yeah, ever so since bad. Gronk so bad. retired. So getting two really makes they can do a lot of things that offense very well. Yeah, absolutely. Previously. Um. Now, unless anybody has anything else to say about general free agency, we can get to dysfunctional team commentary, breaking down our own team's free agent period. And all of us had um, some significant stuff happen, I feel like. Yes. So if either of you want to start it, I'm going to go fill up my water using our Brita filter right now. That is going to hold the top as tight as you can. Yeah. Um... This thing weighs a thousand pounds. Then you have to hold top literally like so tight, dude. It's insane. So, Colin, you want to go? Go or should I go? Oh, you can go. If you want to start talking about it. You're talking about it. All right. Um, ASMR in the background here. Yeah, just very soothing vibes for, from Finn. So, uh, Giants brought back Leonard Williams. Nice move. Um, the big cat is back. Uh, now I'm freezing up. What else did the Giants do? Uh, they signed Zach Fulton, offensive lineman. Offensive linemen are always good. No, don't know a lot about him, but there we go. Couldn't tell you anything about Zach Fulton either. So Tennessee, uh, Houston. So oh, oh. that just means it's probably bad. <laughs> um, I feel like the Giants did more. Uh, what about a guy you took from somebody else's team sitting at this table? Ah, Kenny Galladay. There we go. Uh. Great receiver. Did we pay him too much? Yes, but we need a receiver. And all of a sudden, you get Saquon back from injury, you get Kenny Galladay, strength the line a little bit, and the offense is looking up. Um, we also signed Kyle Rudolph. Um, he failed failed his physical, didn't fail his physical, but then apparently got through, so that's good. Um, John Ross, he's really fast, but not really good at catching the ball. And we got we let Golden Tate go, so it's a, it's a win-win in my book. And, uh, yeah, there we go. I'm like, here we go. So I'm, like, thinking, I'm like, we signed someone on defense. Like, we didn't just sign all offensive players. Uh, Dory Jackson. Yeah. Um, strengthening up the secondary. Uh, our secondary was pretty good last year. But, hey, can't hurt to add to it. Uh, give Bradbury some help on that side of the ball. And, uh, yeah, I mean, I didn't like that we lost Tomlinson. Um, but I'm pretty sure we can replace him, like, not relatively easily, but hey, he is a tackle. I'm sure we'll have someone to plug the gap. But uh, yeah, um, John's making some moves. Hopefully, draft a couple more skill players and uh, big year on deck. Yeah, I I, uh, I was a big fan of what the Giants have done so far. You need to maximize your potential when you have a quarterback on their rookie contract signing Kenny Galladay, despite maybe it being an overpay. I don't really even know if it was an overpay. No, I don't think it was an overpay. Um, does exactly that. You get a Dory Jackson to beef up that secondary as well. And then maybe – I. this is just also because I, I get so excited whenever I see players in college that play two ways, and I want them to still play two ways in the NFL. Like a Dory Jackson played by receiver in college too, and he torched Notre Dame one game. So that made me sad. So I want to see him continue yeah, to be successful on offense. But, uh, yeah, I like what they did. And um happy for you, Sean. Things might be looking up. I don't want to speak too soon. <laughs> Colin, are you ready for your boys? Um, yes. So I'll go through the signings. Um, 
So, <clears throat> obviously, Romeo, bringing back Romeo Quara is huge. He was our best pass rusher. Or him and Trey Flowers were our best pass rushers last season. So, getting him back is huge. Getting Trading for Michael Brockers from the Los Angeles Rams is huge, too. Because, I mean, I, it is a trade, but they gave up a seventh-round pick, and they basically just because his contract is big. So, it's almost a signing. Um, he's a good player. He's going to be good for the defensive interior after we didn't have a good one last year, so we need that. Uh, bring in Tyra Williams, Bashad Perriman at wide receiver. Fine. I mean, those are two guys. They're, they're guys that come in and play and maybe have a little upside, but not. they're not. Nothing crazy from those two. You're not expecting those two to be your future wide receiver, so I'm assuming it's a little bit of a rare draft wide receiver, but we'll see. Um, who do we bring in tight end? You got rid of Jesse James. Oh, you got a uh, Josh Hill. Josh Hill, fine. Like we're just bringing guys, just, just dudes. I like bringing in uh, Alex Anzalone. That's my that, favorite signings. That's good. We don't have any linebackers who can cover besides Jamie Collins. So bring. I just love having dudes that can at least cover like a little bit because our team is so bad at it. Um, I mean, that's the thing. We haven't been like overly. Active. My favorite signing personally was Tim Boyle there from the is. Packers stealing the next Aaron Rodgers out from under Green Bay. <laughs> if you're a Lions fan, go home and watch Tim Boyle preseason highlights because the dude is a stud. Like every throw he makes, he's just been tearing up the preseason for like three years. I'm so excited for when Jared Goff, like, just terrible after like five games and gets benched for Tim Boyle. I want Tim Boyle so bad. I just want I might as well just start Tim Boyle stop season honestly. He's got more touching to anyway. I mean, I know how ridiculous it may sound to be like, oh preseason highlight tip. I was skeptical the Tim Boyle preseason Dude, highlight mixtape. The guy is pretty good. <laughs> it's pretty the good. The guy has an absolute <laughs> cannon. Oh, I would love it. I just want to see it man. I just want to see him throw it deep to Rashad Perriman. Rashad. Uh, Colin, I can't help but notice you left out a signing. Uh, Randy Bullock? No. You've blocked him out of your memory because you hate him so much. Jamal Williams. Jamal Williams. <laughs> yeah, 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 you started plotting backup running back for too much money. I mean, it's not that much money, so I don't really care that much. But like Jamal Williams like one of the least efficient tackle breakers in the world at the NFL level. The least efficient tackle. That's some stat. He doesn't <laughs> like he breaks tackles at a lower rate than Frank Gore at age thirty six. This is true. <laughs> like I don't see really why he's more beneficial to us, Adrian Peterson. I guess he can pass block. That's basically what he is. He's basically like a fullback with pass blocks. He's like a he's like a yeah, extra, catch the ball. He's like a little guard that just sits there and blocks in the backfield. <laughs> this is so funny because Colin has. Spent years roasting Jamal Williams. Then when I saw them sign him, I was like, oh my god, I can't wait to tell him. It's fantastic. It was great. I saw Johnny Smith. We got Kenny Galladay. All Collins guys just coming out. Some way, shape, or form. They are. They are. Um, moving on. Do you have anything else, sir? No, I think that's it. Oh, I think I actually I wrote something. Oh, no, I got it. That's for later. Never mind. Um, the Browns for the second year in a row, not to the same extent as last year when they went out swinging on day one and grabbed Jack Conklin and Austin Hooper. But, uh, in my opinion, they killed it again. 
and they didn't spend too much money, so they could still work out some extensions for Baker, Nick Chubb, and Denzel Ward, and Wyatt Teller as well. Uh, they started it off on day one by signing former Rams safety John Johnson III for three years, $33.75 million. It would be no surprise if you guys have not heard of this man. He's a very under-the-radar player. I really didn't know about him until this year, actually, until he graded super highly through uh, Pro Football Focus. But a guy that I trust quite a bit, and in Cleveland media, there's a lot of people, and I honestly can't blame them for getting kind of jaded. They get very abrasive. They get into Twitter fights with people all the time. But there's one guy that does not do that. His name is Jake Burns. He works for, I think, 24-7 Sports. He works for something called the Orange and Brown Report. Highly recommend it. He is my favorite Browns guy on Twitter by far. He called this the single biggest signing the Browns could make in free agency. Like, this was the best they could do. Getting John Johnson, you said? Getting John Johnson. That is huge. And he broke down a bunch of film on him and why this is such a great signing. He's going to run your defense. He's going to run the defense. They want to run three safeties. It'll be him, Ronnie Harrison, and Grant Delpit. That's a great combination at the back of that secondary for something that was such a weakness. On this show, I yelled out Andrew Sandejo's name like it was a swear word. (laughs) Dude, thank God he doesn't play anymore. He's going to be gone. Legitimately, like... Pray to the heavens and just thank the Lord for taking Sunday off the field. Sunday has gone. And suffering of millions. Just atrocious. <laughs> poor guy. <laughs> anyway. I mean, yeah, poor guy, but like. <laughs> he tired. was not. He wasn't. I know. He wasn't ready to start, though. It was supposed to be yeah. dealt it. But anyway, um, John Johnson, fantastic. And then they dipped back into the Rams to get a Northeast Ohio native cornerback, Troy Hill. He's going to man the slot corner position after they lost Kevin Johnson. Another great signing. The secondary was a huge weakness. It's now looking like a strength, but it's still very contingent that Greedy Williams comes back healthy. And then after that, they signed a bunch of guys for some one-year deals. They took a flyer on Tackerist McKinley, an edge rusher. That's probably their biggest need left is an edge rusher opposite Miles Garrett because they're going to lose Olivier Vernon. Or even if they re-sign him, he probably won't be healthy to play until November. So that'll be tough. But Tack McKinley, a guy that showed some promise in Atlanta, comes back and uh, – for a one-year deal, they grabbed Malik Jackson, solid rotational tackle, a defensive tackle from the Eagles. He can rush the passer a little bit. And then they signed a linebacker, Anthony Walker Jr. from the Colts, who I didn't know a ton about. He's good, though. But he's a good player. I'd heard of his name before, so at least he's got that going for him. I, know, I think that's like – But Darius – like you never see players whenever somebody goes out and um, signs another team for a free agent, unless it's like a franchise cornerstone player. You don't see players on their former team usually be like, oh, my God, I'm so heartbroken, like, openly, like, yeah, in public. A lot of them were. Darius Leonard went on, like, a three-day Twitter thing. He posted videos, things have been like, Anthony Walker is the reason that I have success in this league. He was my best friend, all this stuff. Anthony Walker's a beast. And um, that made me feel really good yeah. about that signing. And then um, just the thing here. These are some quotes. Anthony Walker said, I chose Cleveland because I want to win. Has that ever been said before, Finn? John Johnson said, it's the opportunity of a lifetime to come to Cleveland. Troy Hill said, it was time for me to come home and do something big for my community, for Cleveland, and be a part of this special journey they're on. What planet am I living in? You're living in... Where am I? Finn's in heaven. This is amazing. You have priority free agents coming to Cleveland. John Johnson took less money to come to Cleveland. It's truly amazing to see what they're going on, what's going on there. 
Andrew Barry, build the statue now as far as I'm concerned. He is doing one hell of a job as GM, getting these guys to buy in. It's amazing. And then in addition to all that, they really they lost a couple of guys that are um that were starters last year, like Larry Ogunjobi, Terrence Mitchell, and Kevin Johnson. And also the Texans decided to sign four of our special teamers for some reason. I don't know why they did that. They took them all. They're replacing J.J. Watt, DeAndre Hopkins. With Tay Davis, Tavier Thomas, and Vincent Taylor. <laughs> yes, exactly. Anyway, um, Barry didn't just dip into the outside market. He also kept some of his guys home. Uh, wide receiver, kick returner, gadget player, JoJo Natson, who went down with an injury very early into last year. I was excited to see what he could do, and now we'll get him a chance to see what happens this year. They brought Malcolm Smith, a linebacker who played well last year back, former Super Bowl MVP. Cody Parkey's back, for better or worse. I thought he did an all right job. And Colin, we don't have to fight over the kids anymore. He's back. We can be safe. We had an argument about Rashard Higgins last week on this show. He is back in Cleveland. They have to appreciate him. They have to appreciate him. One-year deal. One of my favorite players, yeah, one of beast. Colin's favorite players, apparently, too. We never knew that until last time. As of we learned two weeks ago, Colin's favorite player above Jeremy Sprinkle, above Johnny Smith, above Jarek McKinnon. Well, let's talk about that part. Oh, too soon. Probably my favorite Browns player. Maybe Baker. I do like Baker. But yeah, beast. I'd also just like to point out that I got a glass of water, and I put the pitcher back in the fridge this time. Good. Thank you, Sean. I did not overfill it. Apparently, I filled it too much last time. <laughs> The damn Brita filter. Uh, last thing I have for this segment is um, in 2016, the Browns drafted four wide receivers. Rashard Higgins was the fourth. He's the only one still in the NFL. Perseverance. Love that guy. I want him to be in Cleveland forever, and I'm happy he's back. Love it. Bolton Bar material. Yes. I have five. Anybody else like to? <laughs> That's a lot of bulletin board material. Um, my bulletin board material is: Do have any of you seen Eric Pascal's interaction on Twitter the past week or so? I have not. So uh, Eric Pascal, I'd go. I'd say Villanova, great, very good player. Eight. Na- one national championship. Very very one, one and a half national championships. We'll give we'll give him a half for the other one. Yeah, he he was on the, he was on the team. Yes, he was redshirting whatever. Yeah. So uh, Eric Pascal is leading the charge, and Colin Gillespie's hopping in because he's not with the team. And uh, is he here? I don't think so. Okay. If so, we should invite, we should invite him up. He's just sitting in the room alone, <laughs> just nothing to do. He's got data. True. Yeah, they're both here. Um. So Eric Pascal is waging war. Wow. On the college basketball writers who are smack talking Villanova, particularly Jeff Goodman has been a recipient to this. Um, after he picked us to lose in the first two rounds, and uh, Frank, I think Andy Katz ranked us 15 out of 16 in his Sweet 16. So he live tweet, he just live tweets the games, and then he just keeps responding to this one tweet that says Villanova is in trouble. Dot 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 with <laughs> like. All I want is an apology. Keep that same energy. Archie, let's go. Like just like random stuff just ponding these tweets. And uh yeah, just sticking out for uh sticking up for his boys and uh love to see Colin joining in the charge. Just 
taking on all the college basketball games. John Rothstein's unscathed at this point. But mm. anyone else is anything bad, watch out. Don't come for John Rothstein. We John sleep, Rothstein's elite. We sleep in May, Finn. We sleep in May. We sleep in May. Uh, Colin, would you like to go first so I don't accidentally take one of yours with my... Um, Sure. I'll go first. You don't sound happy about it, though. Uh, no, it's okay. I'm just thinking about like what for me. Because me, for me, my little Weedles and my Bulls and more tend to blend together. That's fair. Because... They basically have become the same segment over time. Well, bull, yeah, I, it's they're blending together. So I'll go just – how about a stat, a tweet from Warren Sharp? Bill Belichick's spending in free agency prior 10 years total is $359 million, And in the first three hours of 2021, it was $146 million. Stop it. Insane, dude. That's nuts. Insane. Yeah, that was just – that was pretty awesome. Um, I'll go with – there's the one down here. So, well, I'll go this. How about – Only Dalvin Cook, Derrick Henry, and Dave Montgomery had more total forced tackles, total forced missed tackles than Mike Davis. Only Nick Chubb had a higher rate of broken tackles per touch than Mike Davis. What? Yes. Mike Davis. Mike Davis, dude. <laughs> okay. So he signed with the Falcons, which is kind of perfect, perfect spot for him. So I'm still with Mike Davis. Good for Mike. Yes. Also, I'll, I'll give you a, I'll put a, I'll put a Max Aceman stat. Mm. So, so, okay, how about this? On the season, he has taken 27.9% of his shots. Like, you're probably, oh, it's going to be like three pointers. No. It's going to be 27.9% of his shots are from 25 to 30 feet away. Mm-hmm. And so, He's a great three-point shooter, right? His total three-point percentage is 43.1. Okay. Really good three-point shooter. Unbelievable. From 25 to 30 feet, he shoots 45.2%. Stop it. He goes it. up farther away from the basket. Stop it. Because yeah, he's small and he's like not as, not as contested. But still, he's shooting 45% from 25 to 30 feet. Gym range. Dude, beast. That's Absolute beast. Max Aceman's Oral Roberts, man. Yeah, Oral Roberts. Crazy. So, yeah, it's... That's, that's fine. You did the dog. Good. All right. This is also, I'm going to go through mine here. Uh, it's kind of like roulette too, because they're all just Twitter links and I don't remember what some of them are. So I do actually have one more. Oh, do you, you, yeah. you start. I gotta look it up. I'm surprised you didn't talk about this one, Congress. You mentioned Michael Brockers. Yeah, that one was funny too. So Michael Brockers, after the swap of quarterbacks from uh, <laughs> Jared Goff and Matt Stafford. So at the time, Brockers was still with the Rams. He said, Matthew Stafford is a level up from Jared Goff. And then the Rams traded him to the Lions. And now Jared Goff is his quarterback again. Quite the awkward situation there. Apparently they cleared the air. But uh, (laughs) definitely a tough look for Mr. Brockers. Yeah, tough for Mr. Brockers. Tough look. And then he had to like, he had to go on Twitter and say like, yo, like I didn't mean it like that way. Like I, I, I went up to Jared and like apologized to him because like, yeah. Mm-hmm. We also have here's another football one here. Uh, this is actual bulletin board material, a rarity in this segment. Yeah. Um, Alan Robinson, after the Bears franchise tagged him, liked two tweets. These two tweets include biggest winner today in the NFL, Kenny Galladay, hashtag freedom. The franchise tag sucks. 
<laughs> what do you think that means? <laughs> he's not pleased that he was tagged. And I don't even know if he signed the franchise tag yet. So there's that. Um, let's go with this one. This is, I think, this is another football one. Yes, it was. Um, I read an article today that was grading how each team's offseason went. Uh, the grade for number 32 went to the Houston Texans. The description says, you know the vibes. It's all bad. It's all bad. The grade, prayers. There you go. Not good. Not great. And then my last one here. The other one actually wasn't even really Baltimore material. I just wanted to find a way to mention that in the next seven years, the Oklahoma City Thunder have 34 draft picks. Yeah, that's ridiculous. <laughs> 17 first and 17 seconds. Yep, absolutely insane. Over the where, next seven years. Where are they going to put all these guys? They're going to have to trade some of them. Are we going to get a second G League team? <laughs> it's gonna be, they're trading their way into creating a second franchise. Yeah, I, I don't know what's going on it's there. Like, well, the Thunder and the Lightning and maybe like the, I don't know. The Sonics. Give us the Sonics back. Um, here's a weird one for you. This comes from Drake, renowned recording artist. Drake. Legendary artist. Here you go. Standings Suppose- don't get lines. Mm-hmm. Standings don't get lines. Standings, standings don't get lines. Drake from State Farm. <laughs> this was posted on his Instagram story. I had a crazy few days where I feel like I can't win. Then I just opened a cherry Jolly Rancher and it dropped on the floor of the car. Then I looked in the pack and realized that it was the last cherry one. And it was just a down moment that summed up a series of tough moments. And I felt like, okay, I get it. This is my L's. I got to take it in sequence. And then (laughs) I turned my iPhone light on and realized a watermelon was a cherry. So I got one. Blessings to all y'all. It's always there. You just got to find it. What? Most famous rapper in the world. (laughs) What is going on? Well, I I think this is also Baltimore tier. I forgot about it since he said that. Um, About an hour ago, when uh, our our good friend Alec Chania uh, thought Brian was going to die because (laughs) the stem from the cherry detached. Okay, so we call him up at golf. I text Finn, like, oh, we're doing the show tonight. Like, do you want me to grab food on the way back? Finn's is a great idea. So we call them, whatever. Uh, we end up on the phone for a very long time. We have an enormous Chick-fil-A order. It's, like, 20 minutes away. So we get back, like, milkshakes, like, a little bit melted. And the cherry has sunk. Alec gets a chocolate milkshake. Brian gets a chocolate milkshake. And Alec was very concerned that Brian was going to injure himself on the stem of the maraschino cherry in the chocolate milkshake. It was, uh, it was truly concerned. a life-saving life-saving performance by Alec. Just warning Brian about the cherry stem. Uh, Brian was also eating the milkshake with a fork. Not sure what was going on there, but uh, that is bulletin board material, too. That is. That's great job, Sean. That is absolutely. I do have one more, though. Yes. Here. Um, so it's actually, because I have two that are kind of just PFF Twitter wars. Oh, the there's guys. a lot of those. A lot of those. This one was one of our favorites. So some guy who's, one of my favorite analytic falls is not a PFF guy, but his name is Ben Baldwin. He's like, very familiar with a lot of the PF mm-hmm. guys. And this dude like tweeted, I was like, I'm always surprised you vouch for PFF so much. They don't release their formula, which has just been shared by previous workers as a play-by-play subjective evaluation. You're an empirical guy and you vouch so hard for them. It's weird to me. And then the he comes back and Ben says, this is like, the, he's like an analytics guy. He's like, another way to describe, quote, play-by-play subjective evaluation, quote, is watching film, which is a good thing. 
And then the PFF guy comments under him and says, real bummer we were exposed like that by previous workers. Shot holes through our secret plan written on our website in the how we grade section. It's literally, literally, it's such a huge button. They say like, exactly like, yes, we look at plays and then give them grades. And then we make that into a big grade. People just somehow think there's some like nefarious secret going on here. When it's literally on the website. See, the, the thing I have with – because there's a lot of people that get into wars. Like, there's always going to be the analytics versus the watch-the-tape guys. Yeah. Sure, you can argue that out. I personally think a balance between the two is happy medium, and I think there's ways you can combine them into a greater whole. But that's just my opinion. Anyway, people like to come for PFF like it's some Bible that everything that they say is true and that – any little deviation from that, like, oh, this guy, you graded a 67, and he had a great game. Haha, <laughs> you're wrong. Like, no, it's just another tool for evaluating things. People just, think it's, it's like it's the a, Bible. It's insane. A film evaluation that's supposed to be done in the most objective manner possible. Yes. And it's pretty, it's predictive and stable. So, like, Exactly. It's not a standalone thing. You use it with other things, and in general... It's been wow. proven to be very effective. Yeah, and there's a reason it, why all 32 NFL teams do it, and there's a reason there's they a reason get kids like me to spend my Saturday long. nights watching seven hours of film. So yes. take that, people. Are we going right on the wheels? We, we, we can. I'm, I'm fired up. Yeah. <laughs> let's, go right, let's go right on the wheels. I have another one. Okay. Also with Ben Baldwin. Yes. But this one actually – so I'm sure you saw this, Ben. The Derek Wolf tweets. <laughs> <laughs> so Derek Wolf. Is because usually I'm on like the player side when they like get angry at people for like basically turning the craft into like a whatever. Like, people are like, oh, you screwed up my fantasy team, like t- angrily tweeting at them. Like, come on, man, like they don't care about that. But so PFF like tweets like Ravens are resigning Derek Wolf on a three year, $12 million deal. Wolf 69.7 PFF grades since 2019, like 37th in quotations. Derek Wolf was very angry, he was very, very angry. He said, you guys are so lame. Do me a favor and don't bother grading my film at all. My coach's grade is the only one that matters. You're like, well, okay, whatever, man. Like, But this is where the irony comes in because his PFF grade of 37. <laughs> like, oh, I wonder where his contract is. If I'm reading this right, he would be number 37 in average salary per year at his position. This proves that his PFF grade of uh, number 37 is a terrible insult to Derek Wolf, which is pretty tough because clearly his coaches are valuing him pretty similar to what PFF does. Maybe you should uh, – pretty tough for Derek – tough look for Derek Wolf, especially because PFF is like whatever. They have like a – I don't know, so almost, and they have like a like a projected salary almost or like a whatever, like a deserve or like based on how good you are relative to your like whatever. And their salary, what they say she is actually higher. So they think you should get paid more, bro. But Derek Wolf is just very angry that they graded them the exact same that his coaches think of them, clearly. So I didn't actually see that part of it. Yeah. I saw somebody quote tweeted it, and a couple of years, not even, not even a couple of years ago, it was like a year ago or so. Derek Wolf liked the tweet from PFF that graded him favorably. They, they did. So they you, did do that too. So you, so yeah. you could take it. So you he can dish it, but you can't grades. take it, buddy. Yeah. Finn, we Come only on. like the analytics when they help us. Exactly. Oh, man. I'm not, I got yeah, they I, they grade him pretty favorably for like a, a, a few years now. Also, like, oh, my God. 
it's just so funny, man, that you're like going after him when they're literally like, oh, my coach's film is only one that matters. His coaches literally pay him the exact amount of his PFF grade. Like, it's just hilarious. And PFF thinks he should be paying more. Amazing. Amazing. It's truly, amazing. truly, truly revolutionary. Yes. All right. Well, we can. Yeah, you guys can Where are you I don't know if we can go back, go back to, to top five. Let's, let's end the show with Little Wheels, I guess. Okay, that's, so. It's nice to end on a funny note. Uh, unless Sean has objects. I'm so good with that. We'll, we'll go quickly through our defensive top fives. Mm-hmm. Um, so, yeah, we're going to do uh, last time we did top five wide receivers. It was just Colin and myself. Sean was off on a secret mission. And uh, this time we're going to do defensive players. Mine's going to be not straight up top five defensive players. It's going to be impact rookies is what I called it. But you guys can do whatever you want. It could be top five defensive player names. It could be top five foods that a defensive player likes. We don't, we can do whatever here. <laughs> And uh, yeah, does anybody want to start us off? Um, I did not prepare this for this one yet, so uh, I'm not going to go first. I'm deferring to the second half. Deferring to the second half. Understand? I got my list right here, so I can get started off. Uh, mine's going to be. This isn't necessarily the guys that are going to be the best in five years. This isn't necessarily going to be the guys that maybe even were the best value picks wherever they are. These are the top five guys that I think are going to make an impact on teams in their rookie year. And I'm going to start it off at number five with Georgia edge rusher Aziz Ajilari. I think that rookie pass rushers sometimes have a bit of a hard time developing, translating their skills into the NFL. I think what's going to happen with Ajilari is he's going to go towards the end of the first round. He's going to go to a good team that already has a good edge rusher, wink, wink, Cleveland. And produce very well in that number two edge rusher role as a rookie. I'm thinking just going to throw a random number out there. Six to 10 sacks for a rookie throwing it out there. Random numbers. I think he's a good player. Number four, I'm going to go with Virginia tech corner, Caleb Farley. I think this is just a sneak peek of my mock draft. Whenever we end up doing that show in a few weeks, um, he's probably going to be pencil him in at number 10 to Dallas. I think they need a corner. He is a good corner. He has an opportunity to star there with the star in his helmet. I think he will play quite well. Number three, I think I don't know if we've talked about him on this show, but I know Colin and I have talked about him quite a bit off, I guess not off camera, but off radio. Tulsa linebacker Zaven Collins. This guy was a former quarterback in high school who set every single record. He goes to Tulsa. He is a rare size speed combination at linebacker, runs about 6'4, 220. Has the range to play in pass coverage, the length to work as a pass rusher. You plug him into your lineup, you're getting a stud linebacker from day one. Number two, this one's going to be a surprise. Because a lot of people, I think, view this guy in the wrong way. And some people view him as a project, but I actually think he's going to come out of um, the gates storming in his rookie year. It's Miami of Florida edge rusher Gregory Rousseau. If you go back a year and you look at mock drafts, you're going to see his name all over the top five. This is because in his redshirt freshman season, he had 15 and a half sacks, had the turnover chain, all that stuff that the U does. He had a great year. But then he opted out this past offseason and watched some other guys, even some guys on his team, like Jalen Phillips and Quincy Roche, kind of take more of the shine away from him. He's fallen down draft boards a little bit, but kind of similar to what I was talking about with Ajilari. He's going to go to a team in that kind of 10 to 20 range, maybe even later. He's going to go in there, not be expected to be the number one guy from day one. And with his athletic tools, 
People, when they watch the tape of him, you look at him like, oh, you know, this is so undefined. He's so raw. Yeah, he was a freshman, and he had 15 and a half sacks in the ACC. I think he's going to be a boom pick for whoever gets him. Look for him to be a high-quality contributor. And my number one impact rookie, I feel like sometimes people get a little bit misguided by the, oh, look, this guy's a little bit more athletic, or he has the better measurables. He had the better 40 time. Uh Draft Bama corner Patrick Sertan and Prosper. It's as simple as that. Number one corner caliber player. Fantastic at the best college program in the world. And um, I'm very high on him. I think he's going to be a great player. Throw out a few honorable mentions in there that I think will also be high-impact rookies. Penn State linebacker Micah Parsons. Notre Dame linebacker Jeremiah Owusu-Koromoa. South Carolina corner J.C. Horn. This is one of Colin's favorite guys. LSU linebacker Jabril Cox. And uh, Alabama D-tackle Christian Barmore has some other names to throw in there. But, uh, yeah, those are some of the guys I like. Yeah, so I, I'm going to go – this is going to be mostly defense, but I'm going to also go off defense. I'm going to talk about my best pro day. Mm. Some of my favorite top five pro day guys. Um, and they're also not – they're not even a top five. It's very loose order, so <laughs> don't really think any stock in that. It's barely a top five, but – I'll go. I'll, I'll try and make it into it mostly in order. So I guess I'll go at five. Um, Patrick Sertan had a great pro day recently. He ran four four six with thirty nine inch vertical, which for corner to throw everything I said about his athleticism out the window. He, uh, <laughs> I mean, it's with his forty, you could add a little bit. So not a laser time, but he's definitely a prototypical athlete for the position, which is. Good for him because that's something he wanted needed to address. Basically, he was not needed to address that. And then, how about four? We haven't talked about this yet, so I'll throw it in there. Four, Devontae Smith Lance at one seventy. Oh, Devontae. Yes. So there's a lot of people. There, there are really two camps people who are here. There are people who are like, it's nothing. Don't worry about it. Like he's awesome. And they're like, oh my god, he's like, I would never take him the first round. Like, there's there's two sides to this, and they're very far apart on the Devontae Smith weigh in. Because he so he weighed in at 170. For context, let's do some context. <clears throat> he's 170 walking around, right? So 170 at a pro day, he was not working out during. That means he's probably playing three to five pounds less than that. Generally speaking, people are gonna play playing weights gonna be a little under walking around weight. So he's playing probably at 6'2", or whatever he is, 6'1", 165, 170. We'll say 170. We'll be generous, 170. If he becomes an NFL star at that weight, he will be the first player at his weight and his height to be a really successful receiver, ever. In the last, at least in the last however long that we're looking at this. And he might well be because a lot of guys who are that good are in outliers in some way, right? There are, it's rare that you find a guy who is prototypical in every sense of the word. But it's interesting. It's interesting. There has never been a receiver hit that light and still very tall. So there, you can look at like Marvin Harrison, who is about that tall, but he's got 10, 15 pounds on him, right? You can look at Deshaun Jackson, who is a little different because he's three or four inches shorter and has four, three, five speed. So it will be interesting to see how Devontae Smith 
if it's just nothing and he still dominates NFL corners like he did college corners, or if they try and exploit this. And if they try and I, I think it's going to be – that was an interesting thing for me because he is very, very, very different than what you would have seen people look at a wide receiver 15 years ago and say, like, that's what I want in my wide receiver. But I'll go with the Penn State guys at three and two, Micah Parsons and Jason Owe. Jason Owe is 259 pounds. He ran a 4.3640. Even if we say he's ran a 4.4, that's still like Montez Sweat ran a 4.4. He is, if he's not the fast defense, fastest defensive end in the last 15, 20 years, he is in the top two or top three. That man can absolutely fly. I think his vertical was also, I get a 39 and a half inch vert. Like, the guy just is a complete stud. And he's doing this at 260 pounds, 6'5". I mean, I think he beat Michael Parsons in every every statistic or every measurement. And Michael Parsons has is, like, 13 less pounds. And Jason Owe is outrunning him at every turn. But... So he'll be he'll be a high risk high reward pick in this draft because he's a guy who didn't produce the way you wanted him to in his senior year. He didn't have a sack all year, but he had a lot of hurries. It's going to be interesting. It's short in season. Yeah, short in season. He he's always a guy who kind of disappeared at times, but he's got so much talent. Um, and you know who I had to go with? I had to talk about it. Mac Jones, baby. <laughs> Let's let's just let's put this in perspective. Everyone's like, "Oh, Mac Jones, he's not mobile. Wait. He's slow. Wait. He's a pocket passer." Who are you? Who are you talking to, by the way? Who, who whose voice is all, that? All the people. Those all. That's all, all the people. All the people. All the Mac haters. The people. Yeah. So all the people. Okay. Let's. I'm gonna. I'm just gonna take you through some of the some of the 40s from the starting NFL quarterbacks right now. All right? Take you through. Mitchell Trubisky is very fast. Very fast quarterback relative to other quarterbacks. He ran a 4.67, right? 4.67. For 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 context, Lamar at his Louisville team testing ran like a 4.3 something. Like he Lamar is the fastest quarterback in the NFL by Pretty significant margin at this point in his career, right? Deshaun Watson ran a four six five. Cam ran a four five five. Mark Mariota's low five five fives. This is blazing for these guys. You then you get into like a middle tier, or even these guys are still pretty fast. Like Andrew Luck ran a four six seven. Carr ran a four six nine. Aaron Rodgers ran a four seven one. Like Josh Allen ran a four seven five, and he looks pretty fast, right? These guys are not slow. And then you get like Dak Prescott, Carson Wentz, Mahomes, 477, 479, 480, right? These guys are like Baker in a 484. He looks pretty fast in the field. These are all guys have mobility. Once you get into like Kirk Cousins, Sam Darnold, Matt Ryan, they're in the 48, high 48, 49 range. And then you get into Phil Rivers at 51, Tom Brady at 528, all these guys in the that are not very fleet of foot. Kyler Murray is also probably with them. Lamar is the fastest. Kyler Murray is second. He's probably in the high. He ran a four. He didn't run the forty, but rumored to be a four three eight. So take that for you, Walsh. Mac ran a four seven two at a four six eight at his pro day. Four six eight. So even if we add a little bit, that would put him 
in the same speed range as Rodgers, Carr, Wentz, and Josh Allen, and faster than Dak Prescott, Mahomes, Stafford, Dalton, Baker. Yet, his mobility is somehow a huge concern now. Sorry, when I heard about Dak and Baker coming out, I didn't hear about their mobility concerns, and I didn't hear about mobility concerns from Josh Allen, did I? No, I did not. Obviously, Mac isn't like Josh Allen, but he is not like the couch potato that everyone sees. He's got, look, he doesn't have your Instagram body, all right? He doesn't. He's not an Instagram model who eats kale and goldfish every night. That's then, quite the combo. Who? <laughs> <laughs> he is an American man who eats steak and runs fast. That that was something. And mic drop. It's going to get more water from the Brita. Wow. Um, that was fantastic, Colin. Thank you for that. Uh, just one side note I'd like to throw in there. Uh, Cam Newton's – I never knew Cam Newton ran in the four fives. He is very large. That's He's a large human. Very impressive. Uh, but, yeah, Colin I've has recounted to me – I will not say which website they occurred on, but Colin has been getting into fights on the internet about Mac Jones all week. Oh, yeah. And, uh, he Mac is, Jones ferociously on the internet. He has been d- destroying anybody that comes up to try and – if they, take if, on Mac Jones. Colin's killing Matt him. Jones, dishonestly, I am all over them. All Ooh. over him. Colin is the Eric Pascal of Villanova basketball for Mac Jones. I am. I am. Jones. Way more I'm, aggressive. I'm a Mac Jones. <laughs> I'm a Mac Jones stand. Yes, I he is. Say. All right, I'm gonna go quick because my phone's on one percent and I did not prep this, so we're flying fast. <laughs> so uh, Blake Martinez made. I kind of appreciate. I appreciate it, Finn, but I was kind of looking forward to the speed. Oh, keep going. <laughs> um, speed. Is speed. Up. So, uh, Blake Martinez this year has made me appreciate the importance of a good linebacker. So, I'm going with top five linebackers in the NFL. Coming in at number five, I'm going with the Bears, number eight overall pick in 2018, Roquan Smith. Uh, just a dynamic player. I saw him towards the Giants once this year, and he's really good. Playing alongside Khalil Mack, obviously, but really, really good player. like him a lot. Coming in at number four, this one just got to see him a lot. Leighton Vander Esch. Um, the Cowboys has an injury issue. However, he flies around the field, and uh, I feel like his name is always called. Uh, I feel like Sean Lee should be an honorable mention here too. Just he's been alive forever. Um, he doesn't die, uh, and he always will torch my squad. Coming in at number three, going with the. Mm. I don't know. We have a slight hesitation here at number three. I was going to go someone else, but we'll go with it. We'll go with Demario Davis. Um, a little bit older, obviously, but still racking the stats for an extremely productive player. Uh, at number two, I'm going with Darius Leonard, uh, Colts outside linebacker. Um, nothing to say about him. He's a really good player. And coming at number one, I don't really think it's a contest, Bobby Wagner. Uh, really, really good player out in Seattle. Uh, ever since Keekley retired, he's sort of just like the gold standard, I guess, of linebackers. Um, holding down the fort there, but we'll see how it happens in years to come. But it's my top five. I was trying to sneak Blake Martinez in my top five. I just couldn't find a way. Um, but my my Leighton Van Der Esch is sort of like the uh, like the Villanova Ohio State thing in my bracket. It's like I need to pick someone a little just a little better, mm-hmm. not not too much, but. My top five, we made it. Now I have 4% better. This one gave me a charger, and uh, I think we're wrapping up. Very nice. 
nicely done on the fly there. And uh, the speed, the speed was still. You would be shocked when you're when you're trying to do a top five on the fly, and you try to Google like top linebackers, top cornerback, list like ninety guys, <laughs> and then three, and then I look at three sites, and they're all different. I'm like, well, this is great. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's tough. Wow, that's tough. So mm-hmm. just throw it on there. Rip to Oscar Freyer, who was a Grand Canyon University basketball team player who just died in a car accident. Oh my god, yeah, pretty tough. That's wow. terrible. That's awful. Just days after the NCAA tournament loss. Jesus. Wow. That's terrible news. Yeah, it's horrible. Yeah, well, Young guy. So what? Yeah. Yeah. Rest in peace. Now we'll, every, every day is a blessing. Every day is a blessing. Go on little wheels. Prayers. Thoughts and prayers. Um, Thoughts, prayers, and little wheels. Three little three things to live by. Wow. Uh, so, little wheels. There's no wheels. easy way to do that transition. That's tough transition. Uh, Going from yeah. talking to something about very sad and very, Dude, yes, well, we also just typically like to, segment. Um, how about mock draft culture? Mock draft culture is tough, and I'm going to just throw out a disclaimer before I go on this thing here. We are fully, at least me personally, I am fully a part of mock draft oh, culture. Absolutely, I am a part of the problem. Nine thousand <laughs> so percent. You can lump me into this low wheel. But this is what I'm talking about here. So I is saw. It, is it a unique day when someone low wheels themselves? Yes, <laughs> probably. <laughs> like I did it once before. I don't remember why. But anyway, here we are. Actually, I did it last week because of NFTs. Oh yeah, <laughs> I forgot about that. Anyway, um, mock draft culture, and I'm specifically going to go after this one guy. I'm not going to throw his name out there, but uh, seems like a, a nice guy. Makes YouTube videos. NFL themed. Good for you, man. Also, he came at PFF in his YouTube channel and didn't like that. So that may be a part of the reason why I'm throwing shade at this individual. But his videos keep on popping up in my recommended on YouTube. They need to stop because here's some of the titles. Reacting to the worst 2021 NFL mock draft. Colin Coward is the absolute worst. And then in the whatever the um, the picture for the video, the thumbnail. It says, terrible WTF, the worst puke emoji NFL draft reaction. So let me get this straight here. This guy is making YouTube videos criticizing people for picking players in fake drafts. Yes. They are fake drafts. Fake they drafts. are not real. Nope. You are criticizing people for something that doesn't exist. Yep. And he's like going after all these things. It's the worst in all capital letters. Puke emoji. Terrible. How could you pick this guy there? Their team, my team would never do this. How dare you think that we're going to pick Mac Jones 27th overall? It's not real. Not real. It's not a real draft. Why are you spending so much time making fun of it? Have I done this before? Yes. But will I still make fun of it? Yes. There you go. Yeah, Finn. No, I would never do that. <laughs> Ever. That's ridiculous. I just saw that. And I'm like, oh, that's ridiculous. Why would this guy do this? And um, I'm like, wait, I do that too. If Finn's little wheedling himself, I guess I can do the same. Um, I had a jazz presentation a couple weeks ago. Jazzercise. It went wonderful. Uh, except I had a little problem sharing my uh, like audio on YouTube. And a part of our presentation, we had to give like a, a two-minute clip. Uh, give, me, give me a sample of the player. Mm. So I played a sample from Big Joe Turner. Um, my problem was that uh, I ended up getting made fun of by a couple of my friends in the class because I was having trouble sharing the audio 
but my like the screen was still sharing and all of my recommended videos were something to do with fixing your golf swing uh gm golf we had the brian bros on there with pj tour highlights there was not one one of my friends took a picture there were 16 videos on the side of my screen <laughs> which are all golf <laughs> and uh our good buddy michael hirsch said uh said man i hope this uh hope this jazz presentation is screw up the algorithm and have like, yep, but, but yeah um Watch a lot of golf videos. Dude Perfect did not crack in somehow. I don't That's know. That's amazing. I, I guess because it's once every other week, but uh, great video out Monday. If you haven't seen it yet, make sure to watch it. What is it? Uh, it's Overtime 26. Oh. Yeah. Okay. Bu- bucket List 2 on Deck 2. Um, shout out to the people. Uh, if anyone has come to the Dude Perfect tour with me, let me know. I need like a somewhere between the range of a, like an 8 to 14-year-old to bring with me. Um, but hey. <laughs> Um, shameless here. Uh, just if anyone wants to come, let me know. Love it. Absolutely love it. Colin, you got another one? Or did you throw your one out there in the beginning? No, so I got, I got, I'll go a couple, two quick ones. Um, so how about this? This is just a, a thing I saw that I thought was pretty funny. So of the 22 people who voted to award the 2018 and 22 World Cups to Russia and Qatar, mm. that's where the 2018 and 22 World Cup are. So there's 22 people. 15 of them are either now banned from the organization for life, imprisoned, or fighting extradition to the U.S. to face federal charges. Only one still works for FIFA. What? Isn't that brutal, dude? How is that an indictment on your organization that 15 of your 22 decision makers are imprisoned, fired, or being extradited to the U.S.? Oh, my God. (laughs) I thought that was pretty good. Um, I had one other one, but you can go right now while I find it then. When I was a child, yep. my dad, my mom, decided to give my sister and I some presents that, you know, would go beyond just that year. They would keep continually give us presents sure. for years and years to come. They bought a stock. Nice. My dad bought Pepsi stock for me because I was a little, little boy that liked some sodas. Sure. My dad got my sister stock in General Mills. She loved General Mills cereal. Sure. Well, I hope my sister is able to feel she didn't take too much of a loss. Because General Mills Cinnamon Toast Crunch, my favorite cereal of all time, somehow had shrimp tails end up in a bag of Cinnamon Toast Crunch. Dude, that is wild. A man on Twitter posted... A picture of a bowl of cinnamon toast crunch that he had poured, claiming that he had already eaten one bowl, <laughs> and then said, "Hey guys, um, this looks like shrimp tails in my cinnamon toast crunch at General Mills. What's good? What's going on here?" General Mills replies, "It appears to be a clumping of the cinnamon sugar <laughs> together. This happens when the ingredients aren't thoroughly mixed. It's blatantly shrimp tails." Like, it's not even a question. He opened up the rest of the bag and found weird black spots on some of the other Cinnamon Toast Crunch squares. He found a string. Um, He had to take it to a lab to get tested. The going theory is that a mouse somehow got in to the batch of Cinnamon Toast Crunch and started hoarding things, including shrimp tails, and then lived in the bag. (laughs) That's the going rate. But, uh, yeah, General Mills... 
just that's that's absurd. Just absolutely ridiculous. Hopefully, uh, you know, my sister's not grieving over uh, in the red today because of her stock. Devastating. Yeah, I hate to see it. Yeah, um, yeah that's all we got. Yeah, that might be all we have. I don't think I have anything. So, <laughs> sorry. It's fine. Column stores is. Oh no, I do have it. There it is. All I was right. gonna say column stores. All these things in his screenshots, and Colin takes a lot of screenshots. Lights. Yes. <laughs> okay. Um. <laughs> so. I'm all for like evaluating guys in drafts. Right? This is more Mac Jones stuff. <laughs> Doesn't end. Never ends. But like sometimes you're reading things, you're like, that's like they're like lack of zip on throws, like ten yard outs. That is a that be very tangible. Checks out. Makes sense. Mm. And then they'll they sometimes these analysts will throw in. This is the NFL.com guy for Trevor Lawrence. You can just you could tell. That so he's going through like Mac Jones like lo- like like problems or whatever he's like very thin lower body like average release quickness leaves back half behind like gets antsy play can be panicky I don't know how antsy and panicky are different but two both bullet, of those two, two bullet things. points necessary would like to see him play with more grit. Is my favorite one. Sorry, man. He had only won a national championship and threw for forty five hundred yards. Sorry, he didn't play with mean? enough. That's exactly. That's why. That's what I'm saying. What does that mean? But then you go to Trevor Lawrence's pros. He has speed, wiggle, and toughness. He has not just pocket slides. He has subtle pocket slides to stay pass ready. He has an internal clock that keeps him on schedule. This is my favorite. He has a commanding presence with an unmistakable air of confidence. <laughs> Dude, it's like someone's like describing like a dictator of a country on like a flyer. It's like commanding with an unmistakable air of confidence. But Mac Jones doesn't have enough grit. Those, no. That's the major difference, man. Come on. Mac Jones doesn't have like, enough grit. What? Why? 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 Like, why? I don't understand. Like, you could just say like, so many other things. Uh, it's just crazy. Sometimes people just people just people be crazy. People be crazy, bro. They, but except for people who command have commanding presence with an unmistakable air of confidence. See, when you said that, like you're definitely right about dictatorship. My head initially went to like the love interest and in some oh, like yeah. teen book. Yep. That's exactly how they would describe it. Like, yeah. Twilight. <laughs> exactly. I was like, that's what that sounds like. Jesus. Brutal, that is. Wow. We, We've been going for a while. What a ride. This this is an hour and a half. We accused Brian of crimes. Yeah. We um, talked about serial. Sean's phone was going to die, and then it had to be resurrected. We, we talked about... Uh, <laughs> Going with basketball's back. Yeah, that was so. That was like was so long ago. <laughs> We're still here. We mentioned the names of approximately 1.2 million NFL players that yep. no one's going to remember. Um, I knew about half of them. Yeah, so there we go. Beautiful, and uh, here we are sitting at this table that we ate Chick Fil A at two hours ago. Anybody got anything else? No, I'm good. <laughs>
It's a wild ride. We'll, we'll be back next week to break down uh, Villanova's win over Baylor and Arkansas. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. Um, thank you all for listening, as always. I've forgotten how to end this. Go Cats. Beautiful. Go Cats. Thank you.